Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show Natalia Karbasova. She's the founder of Fit Tech Summit and the leading conference in Europe devoted to fitness technology and the future of well-being and active lifestyles. Welcome to the show. Hey, Vanessa. And that's actually great. Try to also pronounce my name. Thanks for that. <laughs> well, you, you know what? We do have to be fair and let the listeners know that I did do a trial run first. I mean, with my yeah. last name being Severiano, you know, very few people get that right on the first try. So I always try to at least extend the courtesy of trying to get the last name right. Oh, you, you, you know, I have the same problem. So my name in, in German sounds like Kavazova, which is also a bit different, right? And the Russian version, like the original one, one is Karabasova. So the, the tone of the pronunciation is totally different. So anyways, I hope the listeners can kind of understand what, who I am and what I do. <laughs> well, I love what we're, what we're about to discuss today because I think that there's so much noise in the marketplace around technology and what the future of fitness is going to be and how tech plays a role in the future of fitness. And I'd love to just start off a little bit about your background, share your background and how you came to found the Fit Tech Summit and what you're looking to do, your overall mission in the industry. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do that. So the overall mission is um, quite simple. And it's making humanity healthy again. And we do that through supporting tech companies that help us as humans scale health and fitness globally, right? So that's the, the overall goal of what we're doing. We do that by running conferences like the Fit Tech Summit, which is a pure uh, business conference where, like, recently we've had over uh, 1,000 participants. We've had 60% of attendees were, like, founders or executives at C-level, right? So we do want to kind of impact the impactors, impact those who really have the opportunity to change some, something in this industry. I love it. And how did, how did you get started? Like, how did you actually come up with the concept of, of the summit and, and starting your business? What was your background? I'll just give you a short version of that because I think let's, let's then get to the business. But the short version of that is that four years ago, I was kind of, you know, having my vacation in South Tyrol in Italy, which is a beautiful, you know, beautiful place to be. And since I was in the media industry and working a lot of with technology, you know, going to all these digital conferences like the Web Summit and South by and whatever you meet like on the on the on, on the globe, that's at that time it was still possible to go to physical events. I was kind of wondering, you know, where this comes together. And I saw lots of people using fitness technology and apps and trackers and wearables, but I also noticed that at those global tech conferences, no one was speaking about that. So being a passionate athlete, I used to be in track and field while still in Russia, and I also have the fitness trainer license and doing lots of sports, including martial arts right now, which I find fascinating. Well, I thought 
why not combine both things? And this is how FitTech Summit was born. You know, in the beginning, remember, this was four years ago, right? So people were just thinking, we're doing kind of FitTech, so they couldn't, or FinTech, they couldn't pronounce that. And I got lots of angry calls like, Natalia, what's happening there? Like, I never knew, I never know, knew that you are into like, financial technology. And I was like, no, have you read the name again? It's FitTech, you know, this kind of strange thing, fitness. And this was the, the first, the first, the start of the FitTech Summit as such. So today the FitTech Summit is way more, way less just an event and way more a content and networking platform. Because we think that the, you know, the, reaching the goal of making humanity healthy again is only possible through human connection, through, through human cooperation, and through creating partnerships between the companies that are either already in the space or are going to the space. You said something interesting that you think that you know the future of advancing health is through human connection, but via technology. So I think that there's a lot of concern out there that you know trainers and fitness coaches and and fitness locations, gyms are getting edged out by tech. Can you explain a little bit more about how you see the human connection working hand in hand with tech to improve health span and and life quality? Oh, that's uh, that's a great question. And I think there's no single answer to that. But I believe that we are seeing the trend of kind of commoditization of humans who are doing the job the machines could do, right? So if you just take an average fitness trainer, you could definitely replace them by, by a, a good app, right? But what makes a fitness trainer an excellent one is his ability to connect to the to the client, to establish some kind of a bond, right? And uh, to make sure they kind of become the role models and the motivators, the ultimate motivators for, for their clients. If we look at some of the examples of successful fit tech products, like Freeletics, which is a very successful German app, which also uses AI, you know, they started just, I guess, around 10 years ago, a simple PDFs, right, with training plans. And the way they could succeed in this market, in my opinion, is definitely also by utilizing the power of community and by connecting or helping their users connect to each other. So the exercises as such were quite demanding. And what we saw was just people, athletics users, gathering uh, together, like 5, 10, 15, 20 people, and doing these workouts together. And this is exactly the bond which I think we'll see in the future. So on the one hand, we'll have the fitness trainers, like one-on-one -on -one training, who will also be utilizing technology by creating, for example, if they are coaching like 10, 20, 30 people, by creating cohorts of their users, understanding where these groups of users stand right now, and making their own services more scalable. And on the other hand, we'll see technology bringing people together even more. This is what we kind of call the communitization of fitness, where communities become more and more important, right, on the one hand. And I think also, on the other hand, we'll see that the roles of fitness clubs are kind of changing, you know, there's this nice term for third places, which I really love, which was, you know, 
originally used as a place which is not home and not work, where you go kind of to, to relax, to, to meet other people, to probably also work. And Starbucks is one of the best examples because it could totally utilize the power of third places, right? If we speak about the quality of Starbucks coffee, well, you just can't compare that to the, for example, Italian coffee, right? But that's not the point. The point is that they could create a place where you feel safe, where you come to socialize, where you come when you're not at home or at work. And why am I talking about that? I think this is also the chance for gyms right now to embrace this change and to become more specialized on their members, you know, just to pay attention to what their members want and how can they, how they can serve their members better. Right. Because I think we have to remember that while the fitness tech is boom and the booming and the at home fitness equipment, you know, really saw an uptick during COVID, that's not necessarily for everybody. Not everybody has the space for that equipment. Not everybody wants to work out at home. There's kind of this mix and they have to serve as a catalyst to really create those relationships and service those people. So, Natalia, in 2020, there was something like over 70,000 different health and fitness apps that came into the marketplace. Do you think the marketplace is overly saturated? Oh, if we're if we're speaking about apps, definitely it's getting more and more difficult to promote your app. It costs more and more money. The gatekeepers like the app store, you know, are getting more and more selective. So this is like one side of the medal. On the other hand, we saw a total um, upsurge in the home fitness market, right? So pre-pandemic, the home fitness market growth was around 30%, which is, you know, good enough, right? But in the times of pandemic, it reached 200%. And at the same time, 2020, gym chain sales declined by almost 40% year over year on average each month, right? So this is, this is quite a number, I would say. But of course, we also understand that now when gyms are starting to reopen again and home fitness craze kind of a bit cools down, I don't think it's going it's to go away, but it's going to you know, kind of stabilize in the market. We'll see that there are hybrid products and hybrid offerings that are coming to the market. Like one of the examples would be the, the company from Norway, Sats, which has just released its own, which is a fitness club, which has just released its own fitness mirror. Right. I asked myself, of course, if it, it would have been better to cooperate with an existing mirror company, probably like Vaha or a different one. But anyways, they also go this way where they offer their members more flexibility. And uh, we'll also see in terms of the home fitness market that the uh, sports verticals, right, what we see already with climbing, with climber, boxing, light boxer, right, Rowing with a hydro, of course, mirrors and strength training like Vaha, Tonal, Miro, Carbon Trainer. We'll also see that I believe almost every sports vertical will be kind of uh, reflected in home fitness offerings. On the other hand, we'll also see that gym goers are coming back, right? So the stats that I have, which is kind of a mixture of you know stats and word of mouth, is that between 60 and 80% of gym goers are coming back to gyms, right? But what has changed are their expectations in terms of what they want their gyms to be able to offer them. And that's exactly what we're saying, what we're talking about before. Gyms need to totally rethink their business models. They're not in the rental space model anymore. And uh, they also need to serve their customers where the customers want that and where they want that too. 
Right. I think there's this big conversation about, you know, creating this ecosystem as the future of fitness and and well-being, but it still to me feels like fitness and nutrition are operating in different silos. It and yet, you know, we all know that these two things working in tandem are really critical to, you know, ultimately achieving uh, well-being and, and health and improving lifespan. So what do you think we can expect to see in the future in terms of fitness and nutrition joining forces? Oh my God, I'm not a nutrition expert. What I do is <laughs> intermittent fasting and uh, what, are, what what my whoop band, which I've been using for two months now, told me recently is that when I do intermittent fasting, I sleep 20% better, right? So this is a simple example of uh, how fitness and uh, nutrition and general health comes um, hand in hand. And I haven't seen, you know, the company in the market that has kind of cracked the code of nutrition and technology. One of the advisors of the FitTech company is Mike Lee, who has founded MyFitnessPal, but I guess even my fitness pal is not like the one or the one size fits all solution, although they did sell very successfully to Under Armour six years ago for over half a billion dollars. What happens now is a different story, though. So the, the answer is I don't really know. What I do know is that nutrition is like, let's say, 70 to 80 percent of your fitness routines, right? So you just, you cannot go to, to training and regularly, but have like junk food in between. And we also know that that has a lot to do with the mental health, you know, and with, with behavior change as well. So I've read somewhere anecdotal evidence that probably this, this is even stats, but I'm not going to call that as stats. People tend to totally overestimate the effect the training has on their nutrition. So like kind of, you know, after one hour high intensity training, you're kind of so happy and think that you've just lost like 5,000 calories that you go and eat pizza. And <laughs> then the effect of the training is kind of, yeah, at zero again. So I think they have to come hand in hand and definitely one healthy or one small healthy habit or one small healthy step will definitely trigger the, the other one on, on, on the different side, be it fitness or nutrition. I'm not sure if this answers your question, but I really tried my best. Right? No, you did great. To me, that's I can I kind of think even though we've made so much headway in the last couple of years, to me, that's the final frontier, right? Like we all know that these things need to work in tandem. And I think that we've made a lot of headway on the fitness and recovery side of things. Mental health and mindfulness is starting, you know, meditation is starting to, to become more mainstream. But I think integrating nutrition in with the fitness offerings, I think that's really the final frontier. And that's what's really going to get everybody to really be able to improve the quality of their life and, and longevity. Absolutely. So, and uh, we also see that on the journey health side, there is way more interest in terms of microbiome, right? DNA tests, blood tests, uh, micronutrients and macronutrients. So these are all the things that are coming into the market. What I think is still missing is the link to the general fitness side, because uh, guys who use like all these DNA tests are like probably rather biohackers than just, you know, fitness, fitness enthusiasts. And I think we'll be witnessing the blending of the two areas in the next years. 
How do you think tech is helping us to make better choices, you know, through the day in and day out and make us more human? And, you know, to piggyback on that, I know I'm asking you so many questions at once, but do you think does everyone... (laughs) Does everyone want that? Does everybody want to make their choices based off of data? Or do some people still want to live impulsively and live in the moment? So I'd love to hear your take on that. I think I'm a bad person to ask because I totally live in the bubble. And uh, for me, this is kind of, I I can't imagine the situation when somebody is not interested in their health. But (laughs) on the other hand, that's not, you know... This is exactly how life is, because if we just look at the stats, I just found some stats from our world and data, which says like in most high income countries, around two thirds of adults are either overweight or obese. In the United States, it's 70 percent, which is, you know, that's just an average Joe who is uh, eating too, too many hamburgers and drinking too much cola. So fitness is definitely about habit change. But the question is, how can we make this habit change really compelling to those people who are like not interested in it, who think this is normal and uh, who just not yet have grasped the value of good health and the value of prevention. Also, in terms of costs, just think of what the what, what disease treatment and chronic disease treatment, which are which is often caused by by unhealthy lifestyle is costing an individual or, or a country. Right. And I, 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 this is something that blows my mind. Like I see these stats all the time that like, oh, this produce costs this amount and this like fast food costs this amount. And they almost pin it as if the fresh natural food is more costly than the fast food. I'm like, how could that possibly be? It just makes no sense. I just think that we can use technology in ways that we have not used it before to help us understand, you know, the long-term effects of our short-term decisions. You know, I think so many people make these impulsive decisions of, okay, I'm just going to go out right now. What's fast, what's quick, what's cheap, what's easy, what's in front of me, as opposed to understanding the long-term benefits of maybe making other choices. What do you think the potential is there? Vanessa, the potential is enormous. And I also think it's about the like choices are about the environment to start with. You know, I, I totally have a sweet tooth and I love white chocolate, which is totally unhealthy, right? That's just pure. Sh- and the only thing that really helped me was not like reading all these smart books, you know, why you shouldn't eat white chocolate and all this health, unhealthy, but very tasty things. But I just stopped to buy the chocolate, you know. I, if, I, if, I, if I want to grab something and I open up the, and I go into the kitchen, there's just nothing to grab, which is kind of unhealthy. So this helps. Just you have to minimize your choices and strip them down to the healthy ones. And this is something which would help, but you have to stay strong. <laughs> What's one piece of technology that everybody should be investing in and utilizing? I think it's not even a piece of technology. It's probably a piece of yourself. And um, one thing that I really, really, really wish for everyone is just to be able to slow down, to breathe in, breathe out, and think about your life in a, you know, from the bird's eye perspective and just to understand for yourself is this is what you really want, right? 
And before that, understand what you really want, because so many people are getting are being driven by impulses through social media right now and through, you know, through what other people might think. I know this is taking us kind of away from the fit tech discussion, but I think that technology starts in the head and we definitely have to invest in our mental stamina. I couldn't agree more. And I think that COVID did that for a lot of people. You know, for me, it did when there's, you know, there was no running in the rat race, jumping, dropping off the kids at school, jumping in the car to commute, rushing home to make dinner. It did make me take that pause and say, wait, hey, how am I living my life? Is this, you know, you really evaluate things. And then I I read something like 40% of the workforce yeah. is actually thinking of changing their jobs and their careers because they're not in passion-led businesses. So I think it did that to an extent. But then at the same time, I hear statistics that like a lot of people gained the COVID-19 and then some because people were at home. So it's kind of conflicting data there. You know, one thing that I'm interested to hear your perspective on is I think, you know, as we talk about technology becoming more and more incorporated into our lifestyles and and people are wearing, you know, more of these different wearables, there's a growing concern about privacy and and these apps having access to so much of your data and your behaviors and then using that kind of not against you, but using that to serve you ads and and get you into buying habits and whatnot because they already know your so much data on you. Is that a concern of yours? It definitely is because health data is the most valuable data you can get about a person, right? And I would definitely love to for, for Europe and other countries to avoid the fate of China when you're being totally transparent as an individual. I think that companies are moving to this direction. Let's just look at the latest iOS update which gives you the gives you the user an opportunity to say which kind of apps you want to you want to be able to spy on you in exchange for a great user experience and which not right so this is the step into the right direction and uh, this is where App- apple is taking a very strong stance as a company which is taking your privacy seriously well they have to because they're not in the advertising business uh, the way google so it's always a good story to tell but it's also a business decision and but you know before we like dive deeper into the privacy concerns, like let's just think why people are wearing wearables. I mean, I'm a bit big fan of Scott Galloway and in one of the recent podcasts, he said one very funny and I think very true thing, which is like 95% of people wear wearables because they will, they think or feel those will increase their status and ultimately make them better mates, right? So it's ultimately all about sexual appeal. This is our most um, important and driving instinct, right? And only 5% of wearable or even 3%, whatever, is here because they're useful, because they really create value for you. And for me, the best example would be like the Apple Watch and the Whoop band, right? Look at the Apple Watch. It's kind of... uh, They sell more watches than the the Swiss industry and... uh, Swiss watch industry, and they have kind of become the status symbol. And I must also admit, I've been wearing an Apple Watch with uh, different beautiful wristbands up uh, until two months ago when I started wearing Whoop, and then I kind of thought it's stupid to wear two bands. And this is exactly what Will Ahmed, the founder of Whoop, told us as, at the last FitTech Summit, because he said uh, the wearable companies are competing for the real estate on your body. And I think this is the perfect quote, which really shows uh, you why all these wearable companies, or at least some of them, are thinking of creating implants, because there's just way more space inside the body than on the body, right? 
And so I myself decided to go for the 3% of the wearables that create value, but just look ugly the way the Whoopend does. It just looks like nothing, right? But the reporting is just amazing and it helps you to understand the uh, connections uh, between your behaviors and your health in a way better way. And here we are again at the topic of creating healthy habits it starts with, with seeing and making them, making them transparent. You cannot change what you don't see. And as long as you start seeing what, what your behavior is doing to you, you kind of start thinking if this is the right way to behave. You made such a good point, Natalia. You know, I have an Apple Watch too, and I'm curious as to of all the people that actually wear Apple Watches, how many purchase this or use it for the health data and how many use it because it's just a convenient way to send a text message. You don't have to have your phone on you, right? There's a lot of different uses for the Apple Watch. So it's kind of interesting to know, you know, a lot of us make the assumption that, oh, all Apple Watch users are collecting, you know, using this health data. And a lot of, you know, even though it's being collected, doesn't mean it's being put to use. But one thing that I want to give Apple a lot of credit for is that it's giving people access to that data and it makes it more attractive to people when there's other reasons to purchase it, not just the fitness technology, right? When you say that they're competing against, you know, other companies for real estate, this has other functions. So, you know, that kind of dovetails into making fitness the new normal, right? So yeah, I, I think... You know what? I think, and the point is, the question, how many people say they use Apple Watch for health reasons because they're so health conscious, which is kind of so trendy right now. And how many people really use that as the second screen for their iPhone? And I would suggest those who will say they use that as a health health gadget would be quite the opposite of what they really do. Right, but there is this thing, I think the when we talk about the gamification of, of fitness and health, I think, you know, I don't know if, if everyone appeals to gamification or, or that rings true for everyone. But for me, like I have to close my rings. Like I, if I don't close my rings in the day, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't succeed. So what do you think the role of gamification is in, in technology and, and health and fitness going forward? Does every tech offering have to offer gamification and does that lend its way into community? I think it, the answer is it depends. I mean, since at the latest, since the book Homo Ludens, we know that people are there to play. This is true. This is the way we, you know, explore the world. And in Russian, there's a saying that the for the first 40 years of the childhood of a, of a man are the most difficult ones, then it gets better. So, and I mean, all of us are just big children, right? So, of course, we love to play, but this also has to be done in a, mean, in a meaningful way. It just doesn't make any sense uh, to create some kind of a score where you as a human don't know what does that mean for you, right? And we as humans are also really, really, really bad in assessing the trends over time. So we just don't have this idea of kind of, was it better, was it worse? It also was something that Kahneman get, got his Nobel Prize in economics for and who developed this to, you know, the, the notion of two thinking systems, thinking fast and slow, like system number one, system number two, which uh, says the way you experience something and the way you remember experiencing something can be quite different. So why I'm telling that is because if you use gamification, you definitely have to think of uh, the neurobiology and the way we humans think and we humans experience things. And uh, we humans connect to other humans. 
So if gamif gamified experiences are a meaningful way to connect to the community in a highly competitive environment like, I know, you know biking or running, then it's a good thing. But I've seen examples on both sides, and I must tell you, I'm not an expert on gamification, but the best experiences are those who just either make you feel fun immediately, right? Or make you feel that this experience and the data is meaningful over time. You mentioned implants earlier. What do you think the future is in terms of implants and what impact will that have on us? I think that's already here almost. We have the AR contact lenses, which are backed by Google, Mojo Vision, who are developing invisible computing. And this is the first step towards the next uh, version of the lens, which is being implanted directly into the eye. That's just wait three to five years, right? We have exoskeletons, like a very young startup still, Tonus Tech from, well, they're kind of from, from Germany, UK and Denmark everywhere, who are developing exoskeletons right now. And with time, those will definitely get integrated with apparel where we will not, you know, see them anymore or feel this is something different anymore. And give them a bit more time and those will be implanted direct into your body to make sure that you are, you know, are a better version of yourself. So if we think about the way technology um, and innovation comes into the market, I think quite often in the fitness space, it's either upmarket or downmarket. So by upmarket, I mean, it's been developed for some deprived uh, groups of individuals or elderly population where they have some, you know, some, some, something to compensate for. Or down market when technology starts in the professional professional sports area and then moves into the mainstream. And uh, we'll see trends on both sides. And I mean, as I said, Whoop is already thinking or probably working on implants. And those are companies that have enough resources to develop this future, not to speak of the big tech companies, of course, like Apple, Facebook, Google and Amazon. There's still such a huge discrepancy, right? We're moving at lightning speed on the tech side and the advancements that we're making, but I still feel like that speaks to a very small population of people, right? If we're still struggling with this epidemic of obesity and diabetes and all these, you know, issues that really affect people's quality of life and lifespan, what can we do to close that discrepancy and actually make an impact on population? Because that's what technology, that's a point of technology, right? Developing the tech is one thing, but how can we use this to really improve the quality of the lives of the people? Well, that's that's a great question. I don't know. But my first intuitive answer would, would be make it fun make it meaningful and make it kind of more interesting for the population in financial terms. Because if I know I can spare like $2,000 or earn $2,000 on top by just, I don't know, drinking one more glass of water a day, that could help, you know. And obesity that you mentioned is a huge problem. Like, first of all, it's one of the leading risk factors in premature death. I have some stats from 2017, which says that obesity was linked to almost 5 million deaths globally, which makes 8% of the global deaths, right? And uh, 
13% of adults in the world are obese as well, which means they have the body mass index of 30 and 40% worldwide of adults are overweight with a body mass index between 25 and 30. So these are, these are really, really bad numbers. And there are numbers of ways technology can help to, to tackle these problems from what we discussed before, from home fitness. We also see a, a wave of companies which are trying to democratize access to home fitness because it's definitely not for everyone to get a home fitness uh, machine like a Peloton bike for around 2,000 euros and to pay 40, 50 euros on top, right? So there are companies that are trying to solve this problem by giving the opportunity um, to, to have some exercise equipment, connected exercise equipment at home, which does not cost that much, right? We have this community aspect where we just need to encourage more populations to engage in meaningful activities with their friends, relatives, families, and generally their role models. And we also have the whole you know, health and fitness industry that are totally in need of redefining themselves and their own the society. Right. I mean... I, I don't expect you or, or or any of us right now to have the answer because obviously this is something that we are not, this is a problem we have not solved. We have failed to solve this problem because you know, I feel like- Sometimes the, the question is more important than the answer. Yeah, right. That's a great point because I just feel like all this tech advancement, while I'm a total geek and I love getting all these stats and finding out all this information on myself, I'm not the rest of the world. I feel like we are failing people in the motivation sector. Like walking is free, right? When we talk about democratizing, yes, but like walking is free. There's certain things that you could do at home that are free, but it's still not working. It's still not resonating. So how can we as an industry really make an impact on people and you know help people live longer, better quality of life? I mean, it's not even just about longevity. It's about the quality of life while yeah. you're alive, right? There's a lot of people that suffer throughout their lives that really have a poor quality of life. And I don't well, know I what you, the answer you asked is. Me, you asked me recently that what kind of technology should be, you know, should we buy first? And I think if you had a choice, you should just grab the running shoes, sneakers, and cool sunglasses, because then you kind of look cool at the same time. And this is probably way more fun. Right, right. And, and, I don't know. Sometimes I, I worry like all the tech, do we need tech to find, do we feel more connected to people with all the tech do we, that we have, or do we feel more disconnected because of the tech where it's like this fake connection followers you have, how many comments you're getting, but then you don't actually interact with a real life person for days on end. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't mean to get all philosophical, but it's just, you you know, there's so many things that are happening right now. And I just have so many questions. And I think we have to keep asking these questions to arrive to a solution, right? Yeah, look, I think I think you, you asked before, what kind of how can we bring more people to exercise? And I think fear is also a very good motivator, right? So we already know that physical inactivity is associated with a higher risk for severe COVID-19 outcomes, right? So Probably this is something that will motivate lots of people to do more exercise, right? During the lockdown, the second uh, uh, most popular activity, apart from watching Netflix and uh, TV in general, was exercising. So lots of people tried out new apps. I don't know what the retention is, but definitely there is an, a spike in interest in that, right? And in terms of how 
how much technology is you know good and how much is too much i don't know but i think that we just need to try out different models and the more players are coming to the market which is definitely happening right now the better because the strongest will survive right um if we compare the mechanics of um, the Apple Watch and the Whoop wristband, right? I also used to be a total ring junkie and uh, closing the rings and uh, and setting higher goals if I saw that I was closing the rings like you know too consistently. It's never enough. But now I also understand that this is probably a bit too mechanical, right? Because you do not take other factors into consideration, and. Uh, Sometimes your wearable or your piece of technology should also tell you when not to exercise and when to listen to your body. And what I found uh, most fascinating about the Whoop wristband, and actually I'm not being paid for that, I'm <laughs> I'm just really a fan of them, is that they, well, first of all, I'm my, my body intuition is quite developed, right? So I try out new things. I do a lot of different kinds of sports. I kind of really pay attention to that. And I must say like in 95% of the cases, what the wristband was telling me about the recovery rate and like how much strain it could take on today was consistent with, with what I was feeling. With the difference that before that, I was probably ignore the body signals. Now that I saw the, 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 you know, the number on the screen, it had, a different, it had different kind of accountability, right? So in the media, we used to say if it is in the in, in the print, that should be true. So I think I think we could say the same for, for technology. If that's like on your screen as a number, this should be true. Which of course means we also have to back check with how we really feel and just not stupidly follow what technology is telling us. Because there's been cases, I mean, in the United States where people just following the the um, Google Maps or whatever service they used and, you know, just flew down the rock because the app wasn't updated and they didn't look at the road while, while driving. So I think that's a bad example of what you can do with technology. Uh, on the other hand, technology can definitely help us accelerate the, uh, the health journey, right, and definitely help us scale it. And this is something which we really need to take into consideration really seriously when speaking about the global health and fitness. Thank you so much. You made such great points. Thank you for taking the time to share your perspective with us, Natalia. If somebody wanted to find out more about you, connect with you, find out more about the Fit Tech Summit, how can they do that? Well, they definitely just have to go to the website, which is fittechsummit.com. Or find me on LinkedIn. I love this platform and uh, I'm happy to connect. Just a small piece of advice. If you do want to connect to me, guys, I would appreciate just a couple of, you know, lines why uh, you want to connect because that would help me to understand where you come from. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handle. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.